0: Afghanistan, south of the 94. Little situation report, in about 21-day stretch, we've been in 19 firefights. man you see before you today, Corporal William Kyle Carpenter, should not be alive today. Hand grenades are one of the most awful weapons of war. They only weigh about a pound, but they're packed with TNT. It happens so suddenly. If one lands nearby, You have mere seconds to seek cover. But are you just thinking like, this is my time, this is it? So I don't remember what I was thinking. I stepped up when I needed to. This United States Marine faced down that terrible explosive power with his own body to protect a fellow Marine. How did you not die? That is the million dollar question. And I closed my eyes for what I thought was going to be my last time on this earth. The Medal of Honor to Lance Corporal William Kyle Carpenter, United States Marine Corps. Ladies and gentlemen, Kyle you know Carpenter. Like oh, 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 I would go through all this pain. Take a bullet oh, straight through my brain. Yes, I would die for your baby. Rah? Yeah, <laughs> All right, well, let me get done with this first, and I'll talk to you after. But, uh, so funny story about that song. It came out at the most perfect time when I was clinging to life in the hospital. And so I heard it as it was going viral for the entire world, and I'm still a little salty about it. But in the hospital, I was sure, through the medication and the injuries, to make sure that everyone I came in contact with, I made sure to tell them that they absolutely would not jump on a grenade, but, uh, but um, you know, if they did, or if he said that, to come talk to me. But it is so humbling, and I am so honored to stand in front of you today, to stand in front of a room of people that get it. And that understand that greater purpose in life. Who understand that the way to a fulfilling life is to serve others and to give more than you take on this journey. So to all of you in here, and especially the veterans who are a different uniform, than that of a police officer. I want to go beyond thank you, and I want to remind you that you raised your right hand and that you took that oath when so few others would. One of the many lessons I have learned along my very interesting, strange, and unexpected journey these past 13 years is that life is beautiful. Sometimes strangely beautiful. One moment, you're a junior marine on your first combat deployment carrying a machine gun through the fields and canals of Afghanistan. And the next, you are in one of the craziest hotels I have ever seen. Uh, hanging out with a couple of thousand new friends. Thank you to Dennis and Street Cop Training for this incredible opportunity but ultimately for believing in me. And thank you to every single one of you for the precious and valuable time you have decided to share with me today. One hour, sixty minutes, three thousand, six hundred seconds. Every single day I am reminded of how amazing life is, by moments, big or small. While watching a sunrise, reading and learning from a new book, exploring trails, on my mountain bike or any of the other various activities that my mother is always sure to tell me that gives her gray hair and beyond that, that I actually should be funding all of her hair color treatments. Uh, But every single day I'm reminded of how amazing life is by moments, big or small. This is one of those moments and I am truly grateful Like all of us, my life started when I was born. But my journey of self-discovery, purpose, and perspective came to me like many of the great lessons in life do, completely unexpectedly. My journey of self-discovery, purpose, and perspective began as I lay bleeding out on that hot, dusty rooftop in Marja, Afghanistan. My body had been torn apart by an enemy hand grenade. On November 21st, 2010, myself and a fellow Marine and best friend were on top of a roof providing a lookout security position, when the Taliban initiated a daylight attack, an attack that would change my body and my life forever. Instantly, I felt like I'd been hit really hard in the face, which at the time, uh, it's safe to say that that was an accurate assumption. My vision was as if I was looking at a TV with no connection, just white and gray static. And my ears were ringing extremely loud, just as they are this very moment that I'm speaking to you. And what followed can only be described as the most extreme disorientation As I continued reeling from the blast, I tried, like any good Marine would, to push myself up and to shake it off. And that's when I realized that I couldn't feel either one of my arms from the shoulders down, which planted that first seed of internal panic. I struggled to arrange the fragmented pieces until something even more strange than what I was currently experiencing began to occur. And that was the sensation of warm water being poured all over me. Now keep in mind I was extremely confused. At first I thought as I worked through these fragmented pieces I thought, well I'm pretty sure I was in Afghanistan, I'm pretty sure I was on a roof, but what could have injured me this bad on a roof? Maybe I got off of the roof, I went on a patrol, stepped on an IED, and this roof is just the last thing I can remember. And as I worked through what was happening Again, I felt this warm water sensation, and at first, through the confusion, I thought it was my fellow Marines and buddies messing with me, which I'm sure all of you know at least one Marine, so uh, you understand what I'm talking about. And I know everyone in this room are experts at messing with each other. And so I thought, man, I can't believe in this banged-up state that I'm in that my buddies are messing with me right now. Until that final piece allowed the other ones to fall into place and I realized that what I was experiencing, unfortunately, was not my buddies messing with me. And that warm water sensation was blood and I was profusely bleeding out. As a tiredness that Is impossible to describe began to consume me. I knew that my time was inevitably limited and so I thought about my family and specifically my mom and how devastated she was going to be when that government car pulled into our driveway or those two Marines in dress blues knocked on our front door to tell her that I would not be coming home alive. This story and the lesson I'm about to share are heavy, and I understand that. But they are also essential in allowing us to harness the full potential of our journey of life. Time and our lives are extremely finite. Our our bodies are strong and resilient, but at the same time, very fragile. Our journeys are uncertain. So live your life accordingly. After I thought about my family and my mom the darkness began to close in for what I was sure was going to be the last time on this earth. So live your life accordingly so that when you reach those final moments, which I hope are at the end of a long, happy and fulfilling life for all of you. But live your life so that when you reach those final moments, you don't need more time. Because you could have lived or loved a little more. Five weeks after that grenade detonated, to my very pleasant and unexpected surprise, I woke up on the other side of the world, Instead of being on a hot, dusty rooftop, I was in a snow-covered hospital room in Bethesda, Maryland, just a few miles down the road from our nation's capital. As I slowly opened the only eye that I had left, with blurry vision, I began searching this room that I was in for anything that might help clear my confusion of where I was and what was happening. And as I looked around, I noticed five blurry red objects hanging on the wall beside my bed. A few moments later, I finally realized what those red objects were. Christmas stockings. My family had decorated my room for the holidays. As I had been battling darkness and death for the five weeks leading up to the moment of waking up, they had hopefully and lovingly been preparing for life just as they had done for me 21 years before. You would think after waking up in the state that I was in, that I would be sad, angry, or regretful. But from the moment I woke up until this very moment that I stand before you, I have been in a perpetual state of disbelief that I survived. Those moments were so final, yet so awakening that every day since and every day forward will always feel like a bonus round. I was doing so well in the weeks after waking up that I even made a goal. ...for myself, and this was to myself and myself alone. But lying there, hooked up to what I'm assuming is every machine... ...that the hospital had to throw at me. But lying there with my arms tied up from swelling, on a ventilator... ...a machine breathing for me... ...and really just struggling every minute to just keep breathing and keep surviving. And keep holding on. I wanted to focus on something and set a goal that whether it was a year or a lifetime down the road that if accomplished or if even attempted would somehow show me that I wasn't just still here, I wasn't just still Kyle, but somehow it would show me that I was actually better and stronger than I was before. So hilariously and unrealistically at the time I decided that one day I wanted to run a marathon. Again as unrealistic and unattainable as it seemed I had already realized that I could sit up in bed and if I could sit up in bed I could work on getting to the edge of my bed and hanging my feet off. If I could hang my feet off, I could work on standing. If I could stand, I could take a step. If I could take a step, I could walk. If I could walk, I could run. If I could run one day, I could attempt that marathon. Humans are amazing And resilient creatures. Sometimes lazy as we all know but when necessary we can adapt to almost any situation or environment necessary. We get knocked down we get back up and what do we usually say? Oh I'm fine I'm okay I just need some time yeah, I'm all good, just just give me a day. But sometimes these moments can lead to life's most difficult and unexpected hardships, which is exactly where I was headed in the spring of 2011. I finished the inpatient period of my recovery got off all of my life-saving machines, and was discharged from inpatient care at the end of February, roughly three months after I got wheeled through the front doors of Walter Reed. Before settling into my lengthy recovery, it was agreed upon between my family, my chain of command and the Marine Corps leadership at the hospital, and my, most importantly, my amazing medical teams. It was agreed that since I had years left of a recovery and unfortunately there was no room to move into outpatient care at Walter Reed because of unfortunately the amount of casualties that were coming in at that time. It was agreed that I could go home to South Carolina and be with my family and my mom's amazing cooking and rest at home with loved ones in my home. As I got better and stronger to stand on my own two feet, but the agreement was that I would still go to therapy every single day for two to three hours at a local hospital in South Carolina, and that every roughly two weeks, my mom would drive me back up to Walter Reed for my much-needed surgeries. So this at-home period was about six months and I was essentially waiting for a new building and Wounded Warrior Housing Complex that was being built on Walter Reed and that would open that September. So it almost seemed too good to be true to be able to go home and, and get out of the hospital. So of course we agreed and i had only been home for a few weeks when I attempted to be a big bad Marine and take on the almost impossible task of making myself a bowl of cereal. At this point in my recovery I still needed extensive nerve grafts to my arms and my hands which both of my hands just hung limply with no nerve or tending connections. Most of my teeth had been blown out by the grenade and it was still going to be years of surgery and reconstruction and bone growth to hopefully be able to get teeth in one day. And with that damage to my face came the facial nerve damage. So, I couldn't really see how messy I was being. All I knew was that I was thankful I was not in a public place at that time. And as I sat there, you know, I accomplished the mission of making the bowl of cereal, even though the milk felt like it weighed 100 pounds. I couldn't even hold a spoon, and much less eat it with no teeth. So as I sat there under the dim kitchen lights of my home, With every bite, I felt like I was being slowly defeated. Until in that moment, after months of being strong for myself, being strong for my family and my medical teams. And that's how it goes most of the time. We're strong, not really for ourselves first and foremost, but for those around us, for our loved ones that suffer and celebrate through life with us, but I saw early on after waking up that if I was struggling to breathe, my parents were struggling to breathe. If I was in pain, they were in pain. And so knowing that I immediately started to reframe my thoughts, and and. but in that moment, it didn't matter who was around me. Nothing mattered except for the fact that I went from being okay to immediately, in that moment, crashing to my lowest, rock bottom, hopeless moment. And as the tears started to flow, my mom rushed in from the living room, asking me what happened. You know, What was hurting? Was I okay? But all I could choke out was one simple, yet devastating question. I said, look at me, who is ever going to love me again? And immediately I regretted saying it and voicing that heavy question and and my concern for the future. But as the moments passed, and especially now, 12 years later, I'm so thankful for that moment. And I'm so thankful that I felt that hopelessness and that I hit rock bottom because it forced me to face my new reality and my new body, ultimately giving me perspective and clarity. I realized that no matter what happens in life, no matter how hard we get knocked down or blown up, whatever insurmountable odds we face, we really only ever have two options. And those are that we can get up and take that small, shaky, uncertain step forward, or we're going to sit at that kitchen counter for the rest of our lives. The past is truly the past. There is nothing we can do to change, get back, or erase one second of what's happened. And we all know this. But still, as scary of a reminder as this can be, It allows us to understand that every second we spend looking back is a second we are taking away from our future self, our stronger self, our more resilient self, and ultimately the best version of ourself. I am so grateful for that small step that, I took away from the kitchen counter that night because it not only led me to crossing the finish line of three marathons, but it taught me one of the greatest, most powerful lessons that I carry with me today and every day, and that is that the smallest of steps completes. The grandest of journeys the jobs you do are incredible the danger you face every single day is really unbelievable if you think about it every day you put on the uniform to serve to help and to protect our communities Every day you choose to be there for people, some during the worst or most helpless moments of their lives. And these jobs that you do every day are vitally important. And as we see from this conference and you wanting to get better and to learn, are also uniquely complex. But they are all jobs and roles that play into one central theme. Impact. Now, the frustrating at times, but beautiful thing about impact is that we rarely see how far the ripples go. Like a rock thrown into a pond At first they're small and close together, but as they travel outward they grow and they grow further apart and they grow larger until we can no longer see them, but they are there, continuing to move outward and away from us. In 2013, I had finally completed my three-year recovery at Walter Reed. And less than two weeks after driving out of the gate and the base of Walter Reed, I had a very different pack on my back as a freshman at the University of South Carolina. That November, somehow the Marine Corps dragged me back up to Washington, D.C. This was just a few months after I had completed my recovery again i was only a few months into the next chapter of my life and where i felt like my purpose was but for any of you that know marines every year we celebrate our birthday in november we're very proud of our history and our traditions and where we've come from most would probably say obnoxiously so. Uh, but every. with that said, every year we get together and we celebrate our founding. And so I went back up to, to Washington, D.C., and this next part is a very important part of the story. This was years before I was a Medal of Honor recipient This was years before I even knew or understood that I had a platform or a story that I could use to connect with others and to hopefully help others. At this time, I was just your average grenade victim college student. So, the only people that really knew about my story were those that had followed a Facebook page that my parents started while I was clinging to life called Operation Kyle, and it was just a mass update system. And so there were a few people that were familiar with my story so far. And so I was standing there in a meet and greet line, and the Marine that was next in line as I glanced over, I could tell from the rank on his sleeve and the medals on his chest that He had most likely been in combat since I had been in diapers. And so, like any good junior, low-ranking Marine, I began to get nervous and to brace for the, what I expected to be serious, ash chewing that I was about to get for whatever I had done wrong. And I felt bad for all of the nice, sweet, innocent bystanders and people that were around us. But as he got close and we shook hands, it was it was uh, so different and unexpected than what I was anticipating. As we shook hands and I looked him in the eye, the tears welled up, and I could tell that he was hurting deeply hurting inside. And the words that followed, I don't know if I'll ever be able to fully comprehend, but they will be with me forever. He said, I didn't kill myself because of you. That if you can get out of bed every morning and put one foot in front of the other, I can too. Again, I I couldn't find the words, so I just gave him a hug and made him promise that I would see him next year. Never forget that the jobs you do have tremendous impact and sometimes the greatest impact in life goes unseen. My final story and lesson for the day is about perspective. Perspective is extremely important. If I had to summarize the past 13 years of my journey in one word, it would be perspective. It allows us to see the most of people and the world around us. Perspective also allows us to find and to be able to continuously seek out the blessings and silver linings of life. That, at times, can be extremely faint. But I promise you, they are always there. Perspective allows us to look at that glass half full, but, only, but to also be able to remember when we could only see it as half empty. One of my greatest lessons of perspective came to me, like many great lessons in life do, completely unexpected. It was 2016 now, and I had just left a business meeting in downtown Columbia, South Carolina. Somehow, I had made it to junior year at the University of South Carolina. And I left this business meeting and uh, I was headed back to class like the good student that I was. And I was walking down the sidewalk when I passed two seemingly homeless gentlemen sitting there talking with each other. And as I passed by, one of them clearly not knowing my history with things that go boom, held up a finger pistol. I thought oh man here we go he shot it at me and said hey brother looking sharp I laughed and I told him thank you and that I appreciated his compliment and as much as I will always be ashamed to admit this part of the story I prepared myself for the follow-up question of him asking for money but nothing else was said I kept walking to my car and with every step that I took I felt like I was being pulled two steps back I thought you know Kyle what if this is the one and only time you ever run into this nice man And I wanted to go back and tell him thank you again and shake his hand So I put myself in my car, I shut the door, and I went back to find who would become my new friend, Kenny. Kenny's friend was gone, but thankfully, Kenny was still there. So I sat down and for the next 30 minutes or so, we had a great conversation. And Kenny taught me two valuable and lifelong lessons. The first is that our scars, whether inside or out, and the adversity that gave us those scars is the common thread throughout every single person in this room and on this earth. Our journeys are our own. Your journeys are yours. Your victories or struggles, most importantly, should never be compared with anyone else's. Learn from others. But know that your journey is yours. Your struggle is yours. You heal in your own time, in your own way. But through that struggle, and while you're creeping forward towards that light at the end of the tunnel, know that Although the person to the right and left of you might have faced different adversity or might have scars from something different than you, we all know what it feels like to be knocked down in life. To wonder if we can get back up, to wonder if there are those silver linings, if we can reach that light at the end of the tunnel. And so as I sat there in a suit and Kenny in clothes that he had been in for probably weeks, Kenny showed me that our scars, again, it doesn't matter where we've come from or what we face. faced, our scars are what bridges us. The second lesson that Kenny taught me uh, is still tough for me to tell today without getting choked up. As we got ready to part ways and our conversation ended I was thinking of ways that I could help Kenny. Stupidly in my comfortable world I thought well can I get you a prepaid phone that way we can stay in touch. And of course he didn't have an address. He lived through multiple homes every week and for years now. So there's no way that I could get it to him or know where he was. I threw out a couple of other ideas and we finally just settled on him walking up the street with me to the local college mart so I could load him up on some snacks and some drinks. And he quickly agreed and he followed that up with asking for cigarettes. Now, I should have learned when it came to assuming things with Kenny. You know, at first I thought he was going to ask for money, and he didn't. But I thought I had him this time. I said, okay, Kenny, why do you need cigarettes if you don't smoke? He said, no, 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 yeah, I don't smoke. But cigarettes are like gold down at the shelter. I can sell each one for $2.00. I'm comforted that this crowd and all of you that I'm speaking to, you understand that people struggle every single day. But from this lesson, and it never hurts to be reminded that there are people in this room, there are people working in this hotel, there are people we will walk out these doors and pass by on the streets and sitting on the sidewalks that are truly struggling. Mentally, physically, emotionally. And as you know, sadly, you're aware that somewhere, someone is having the worst day of their life every single day. And so with those two lessons, know know that again it's your journey it's not a race it's the journey and it's okay to struggle and especially what all of you go through I never really understand the the whole stigma side of mental health because we're all on this journey of life we all know that you have to earn this journey and that is difficult And that we all struggle and that we all face adversity. And it's natural to struggle from very different, unique, at times very traumatic life experiences. But then people act like it's strange that, you know, we need help. Or that we need, that we've stumbled and we need to be picked up. Always seek perspective and choose your lens. Before I finish today, I want to remind you, live your life accordingly. The smallest of steps completes the grandest of journeys. Sometimes the greatest ripples in life go unseen and the power of perspective can change your life and your world appreciate the small and simple things be kind and help others let the ones you love always know you love them and when things get hard which they will Trust that there is a bigger plan and that you will be stronger from it. I'm Kyle Carpenter. You are worth it. And you are never out of the fight. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much.